Hello and welcome to Connected by Life. I'm your host, Sean Paul Harrison. Connected by Life was created to have engaging conversations about important topics that impact physicians and our clinical stakeholders in regards to organ and tissue donation and transplantation. Today, our special guest is Dr. Angela Borg, a family practice physician with over 25 years of experience. On our previous episode, we talked to Dr. Borg about her unique connection to donation. In this episode, we'll be discussing the transition from physician to patient and receiving the life-saving gift of an organ transplant. In our previous episode, which I highly encourage everyone to go back and listen if you haven't already, Dr. Borg and I talked about her background as a physician and then her experience of becoming a patient needing a heart transplant. So in getting back to that time when you were at Oshner faced with the reality of needing a heart transplant, would you mind sharing some of your thoughts, you know, at that time in, in post-transplant? I'm such a planner and an organizer and, and you know, that, that basically had to go out the window. That was probably one of the first lessons I had to learn there was um, in terms of the recovery of, you know, following the instructions that they were giving. And, you know, one of the first things that they had me learn and, and learn to manage your own medications. And so as a physician, you know, I know, you know, blood pressure medicines, cholesterol medicines, I know those things. But in terms of, you know, six to eight times a day going to a, a medicine box and taking out what you need for that moment, and then, you know, a few hours later, taking out some more, that, that, that was a, a lesson right there. <laughs> that was lesson number one. <laughs> Again, it kind of goes back to, you know, being a, a physician and then becoming the patient. So it sounded like uh, you were a great example of that. So as far as, you know, you're talking about the clinical aspect of it, but what was the, the mentality afterwards, the post-transplant, like for you and your family? After transplant, and they, they put you on, you know, the post-op floor and then like a transition floor to prepare you for leaving the hospital and going to the apartments next door for, you know, weeks, months, however long the recovery would be. The, the only people who were allowed to come into the ICU were um, my three children. And so, um, you know, that's when masking was cool before COVID started that. <laughs> <laughs> so you were cool so before we, all that. I like it. We, yeah, we were the, we were the cool masking family. So, um, so that, you know, that was an adjustment of, you know, them having to schedule when they could come to visit and, um, you know, modifying what, what goodies they would bring or what, you know, what, what things they wanted to share and even something as simple as wanting to send flowers before the surgery. There was a lot of questions and answers like, can she have flowers in the room or, you know, can she, can she, can she drink um, a PJ's coffee or does it have to be decaf? So, you know, things that sound so simple, but, you know, it just opened a lot of education that, you know, even me with the medical background had to, you know, open up the binder they gave and did a lot of highlighting and a lot of note taking on, 
you know, what what this process was involving for us as a family. Well, I think that's great that you discussed like the educational aspect of things because we talk a lot about you know the organ donation side, but you're also talking about the transplant and recipient side. So I'm glad that's something you were able to extend. Um, can you talk a little bit about like just you know the physical recovery, the lifestyle adjustments, and just you know some of the things that you were able to do, maybe that you weren't able to do before or that you were able to do even more so now? Yeah, so I really focus uh, on what I can do and instead of what I can't do. And so there's a lot of things I can do with modifications. Um, I can go eat out at a restaurant. It's not going to be a Chinese buffet ever again or, <laughs> you know, a, 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 a cruise with, you know, unlimited buffets. But, you know, so what if I have to drink bottled water and, I prepare my food and I carry, you know, carry snacks with me along with my meds. You know, that's that's trivial in the big picture. Uh, Physically, you know, there's there's some limitations. But again, with modifications, it's okay that, you know, I can't lift the, you know, heavy 40 pound dog food bag. Oh, darn. You know, I just have to wait for my husband to come home and do that. (laughs) (laughs) You can always use that the excuse, right? (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I love offshore fishing. You know that. And, you know, red snapper and amberjack, you know, those are some big fish. And I've, you know, I've just had to learn how to get, you know, extra sets of gloves and extra, um, you know, waist um, belts and, you know, some assistance to help me reel those in. So, you know, with modifications, patients can do it. Well, I know that you're even talking about modifications, but, you know, the listeners don't even know that I know you a little bit more. And so the modifications don't exist when it comes to your cardio, which you're actually very <laughs> strengthening that heart. Can you talk Try a little to. bit about that? Because it seems like every time I talk to you, you're getting off a bike, an elliptical something. So, I mean, I know that that has been, you know, a very important part of your recovery. Yeah, because, you know, the little I know about my donor, he it was his 21st birthday and um he was, you know, according to the letter I got from his mom, he was, you know, really active guy. And so, you know, I feel like I, you know, even though I'm in my mid fifties and he was 21, you know, that's basically 30 something in my mind. And so physically and mentally, I want to continue to do those things to stay as heart healthy as I can. Um, I like to bike and um, I like to walk. I like to, you know, whatever, do whatever physical activity is, you know, not not overly challenging, but it's rewarding in the same time. And I'm going to go into, we'll go into like the volunteering and, and your hero and the hero's family in a little bit. As far as for the family, though, how is it if, you know, what are some of the experiences that you've had with your own family? Because I know that you've spoken a lot about them. What are some of the things that have happened over the past years since your transplant that you experienced because of that transplant? So my children have, you know, they're all in their mid-20s and we've had the first wedding and we have two more weddings within the next year. And I I just assumed from the get-go that you know, the college graduations and the the weddings and such, I would, you know, either not be able to attend or have to attend with, you know, masking and gloves and such. And, you know, fortunately, 
I've, you know, taken my medicines and have had my checkups and have stayed diligent in being as active and healthy as I need to be and should be. And I've been able to, you know, continue to be a part of their lives. And they, you know, they're very protective of their mama. And for my son to say, oh, mom, you know, I'll, I'll come, you know, do whatever for you or, you know, the um, I told him, I said, you have a wife now. So thanks for checking on mama. But <laughs> the first grandchild is going to be born later this year. And so that's gotten some trepidation for me because exposure to, you know, certain live viruses and live vaccines is something that I haven't had to, you know, I've been able to avoid. But, you know, now it's, you know, a different type of challenge that if I can't babysit, you know, certain times of the of a month or year, then, you know, I'll just have to do some extra spoiling on those other days when I can be with them. Are you still practicing? I'm still have my license. I still haven't had with COVID and such. Um, still haven't had the full release to be able to go back. Um, uh-huh. You know, I've got I've got. I've got, you know, different limitations medically. That, well, that's the that, reason why I was asking because we were talking, you were talking about the the challenges with, you know, with, um, you know, having a grandkid and I was going to ask about the same thing with patients, you know, being exposed. So, Right. And in family practice, as we mentioned in the previous episode, you never know what somebody has. So they might come in for a blood pressure check, but hey, by the way, I have this blistery rash, you know, on my back. And then that, you know, just opens a can of worms that, you know, physically, um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not prepared to be able to handle that at this time. And tying this back into physicians and, you know, as far as for clinical staff, I wanted to ask you, how has this affected you as a physician, um, you know, professionally, since, you know, like I said, you, you were a physician treating other patients and then becoming the patient and then receiving this transplant. But how has that affected you from a professional stance? Well, no doubt I've continued to, you know, continue with my CME for my licensing and such. But a lot of my focus has been more cardiology based. Uh, before, you know, I, I did a lot of primary care, preventative medicine, uh, substance abuse, opioid addiction was a was a passion of mine. And so now, I, I you know, it seems like my focus my reading and journals and things seem to take me more of the heart failure path. So, you know, that's a positive learning some different areas and um, spending a lot of time, you know, being proactive so that I don't end up with side effects from, you know, my prednisone, which is a steroid, Um, you know, that that's a lifelong thing for me. And so, and some other um, immunosuppressant medicines. So, you know, being, being educated, on those medicines and on, you know, what, what types of things I may have to avoid so that there's no drug interactions. If there's one thing I really, really miss out of all, you know, that the transplant has limited me with is Advil. (laughs) And, you know, it sounds simple, but something as simple as reaching for an Advil when you have a, a headache or something, it's just something you can't do when you're on these special medicines. So, you know, that was, that was eye-opening to realize, you know, how, how, how quickly something over-the-counter we took for granted. And from other physicians that you've worked alongside and, and just in that circle, um, have you had a lot of peer-to-peer conversations about donation now? Oh, I have. In fact, every time I've gone for lab work, which is 
quite often, as you know, um, I'll run into different colleagues and, you know, consultants in the past and, you know, they'll have this, you know, continuous um, updating and they'll say, oh, by the way, did you know that so-and-so had the same diagnosis as you or so-and-so, is it okay if their family gives you a call to, you know, discuss, um, you know, the, the, the post-op that you went through and, um, or they, they're getting ready to be listed. Can, you know, can they reach out to you? And so, so that's been neat, you know, to be able to kind of be a, a resource and still feel like I'm part of that wonderful medical community that, you know, got me, you know, got me here and got me healthy and keeping me on that, that healthy road. We were talking about you being an example of, of many things. And so this, you know, kind of takes things to a whole different level. And when you're able to go back to treating patients, I think this is going to make such a significant difference in celebrating that gift of life that got you back to that point. Um, not only did you receive the gift of life, but now you're going to be treating and healing others. That's a great positive perspective. You see, Sean Paul, there's always ways that we can find positives in things. And that was a great example you just <laughs> put together right there. In closing, Dr. Board, you know, we talked about this, this incredible story, this journey that you've been on. And, you know, if you could share some advice that you would give to other physicians that are working with their organ procurement organizations throughout the country in regards to, you know, helping families experiencing loss and the ability to save others through donation, you know, it's such, it's so vital, it's so important with the partnership between the OPOs and the physicians and the collaboration on making a difference to those families experiencing loss and those that are in need of a transplant. So what's, what's some things, some advice that you'd like to give on the importance of that relationship? Well, as I, you know, learned firsthand, it affects every physician, every medical, you know, personnel from, you know, the secretary in an office to the nurses, the physicians and everyone in between. And it can impact them all. You may not know someone directly, but, you know, a patient's aunt or a patient's cousin may, you know, who may indirectly be part of your practice. So having those conversations and understanding that it's not just about having, you know, the, the little heart on your license um, indicating that you want to be a donor, but it's, it's also about being, you know, proactive in discussions on, you know, tissue recovery and cornea recovery. You know, I had a, a knee surgery and didn't realize it till after the fact, but they used, um, some donor tissue in that. Um, and even dental procedures, you know, there's, there's some donor tissue that can be involved. So it touches on all of us from the big city, you know, practices to the small town practices and everywhere in between. Well, I know that, you know, all of these gifts that you're talking about, they're from a hero. And I think that's, you know, where I would like to circle back from is because that's how, you know, we at Lopa, how we met you is from volunteering to share your story about your hero and how it's impacted your life. And I know that his family um, is very proud for you continuing his legacy uh, and the way that it's impacted you. And it's impacted us, um, you know, our community, and it continues to extend the message of what the gift of life really means. Oh, well, thank you. I'm just one heartbeat in all of these heartbeats together that, that make up this little bitty corner of the world um, where we're all, you know, just looking for a little peace and health and happiness. (laughs) That's a great way to end it. 
Well, listen, thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us your newfound empathy, resilience, and personal growth in your approach to both life and medicine. So thank you so much. We look forward to spending time with you in the future. Oh, thank you so much, Sean Paul. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, Dr. Bork. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. And thank you for being someone that truly cares about organ and tissue donation. It matters. You can register as an organ, eye, and tissue donor anytime at registerme.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Connected by Life on your favorite podcast app. And remember, you're a light worker. Keep shining. This is a production of LOPA. The content in this podcast is intended for informational purposes only and not intended to substitute for professional medical advice. To read our full disclaimer, please visit our website. The Connected by Life podcast is hosted by myself, Sean Paul Harrison. Our executive producer is Kirsten Heinz. Our production assistant is Chandra Williams. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez.